Hey, I'm Noble. Thanks for checking out the message today. I'm so thankful that you're here and we would love to connect with you. An easy way to do that is you can text River Connect one word to 97000. You can also go through our website and find out more about us and see what we have coming up. Lastly, if you'd like to give to the River Church, you can text an amount to 84321 or you can go to the giving tab at the top of the page. I just want to thank you for being with us today and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye now. So for me, growing up, family always meant a lot. And I know you've heard stories about how my sister and I, we always bickered as kids and we were always kind of... Uh, against one another, that was not the case when it came to everyone else in the world, right? You know, we had our internal conflicts. We would get frustrated with each other as a family every now and again. But really, uh, that was only against us. When it came to the outside world, right, when it came to, you know, if someone was picking on my sister or something was going on in our family, we always had each other's backs. Loyalty has always been an extremely deep core value in my family. And to that fact, we really only truthfully like hanging out with each other. That was like the only time we really got rest. It went, even when we went on vacation, like, right? Some families, when they go on vacation, like people will bring friends or they'll go vacation with another family. That was not our family. Even to the extent of like, we didn't really even want to be around our extended family all that much. Like we just wanted it to be us. And for some of you, that may be foreign. But for me, that was like, all I knew growing up, and it was because my family was so close-knit, and we valued kind of our environment together so much. The word family, even the word family, means a lot to me. It makes me think of, of memories and times that we shared together. It makes me think of safety, a feeling of comfort, and even just times where we got together and we would share things that were going on in our life. Our family was a little bit weird, to be honest. Well, I mean, if I'm really going to be honest, a lot weird, right? But there was, the thing about family is the word family gets thrown around a lot, especially as you're growing up, right? Like whether it was sports teams or band, school groups, or even jobs, right? Coworkers, you want to say, this is our, this is our work family, all right? The team, we're a family, or you know, in band, yes, I was a band kid, right? We were a family. That's what everyone wanted to call us. And I would look, and that always really bugged me, right? I'd look around, and I'm like, as much as you want to call us a family, like, I don't really know that I want you part of my family, right? Like, I, I have a family. I have a family. When I go home, that's the people I want to see. I don't want to see any of y'all when I walk through the door, right? You can stay here. You can stay at practice. And then I will go home to my real family. And truthfully, there is a sense of bond, right, in, that, in our family. We had this deep bond, and it even ran deeper than just the fact that we were blood relatives. But when I looked around at, you know, work or school or band, right, I, I look and you're like, the only thing that really makes us a family is, like, I play French horn and you play trumpet, right? And, and to me, that's not really a strong enough bond for me to call you family, you see, the loyalty isn't quite the same. The commitment to each other isn't the same. The bonds aren't quite the same. 
And in scripture, we see Paul says that this is true, right? He says you should be very careful who you should call your family. Your family actually means a ton. No one else is like your family. But the thing is, Paul is actually talking about a different family. He's not talking about your earthly family. He's not talking about your blood relatives. He's talking about your spiritual family. And he says, more so than your blood relatives, the blood of Jesus Christ brings you together into a family. And that family is even greater than the family you may experience in this world. This morning we're going to talk about that and what that looks like and how we should live in light of our family of believers. But before we do, let's jump in and pray together. Lord, I thank you for my spiritual family. Lord, I thank you that as we come here today, we can be encouraged, we can be strengthened, we can be grown together as a spiritual family. Lord, and I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who through his blood, we are bound together as family. Lord, we love you. In your precious name, Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And so you've probably seen around, right, that we're going through this series in Colossians. And in Colossians, we're jumping into kind of the, the saying of our church, reach, gather, grow. Right, Reach the world with the gospel, gather with the saints around the gospel, and grow in the word according to the gospel. And last week we jumped into that idea of reaching the world with the gospel and how the gospel, it's what brought us together, right? It's what reached out to us and brought us into salvation and how we should look to reach the rest of the world, reach people who don't know Jesus or who haven't believed in the gospel, and we should bring them closer to us, bring them in with us. And this week we're going to be diving into this idea of gathering with the saints, gathering together. And We're going to be diving into this next section in Colossians, and we're going to be picking up from where we left last week, right? We talked about the gospel. We talked about reaching out, right, and reaching the world or being, having the gospel reach out to us and bringing us together. And now we're going to look at as as the gospel reaches out to us and as we reach out to others, we grab hold and then we pull together, and what that togetherness looks like, what it looks like to be together, or what we're reaching out to bring others to, and that is gathering together, gathering as the saints. And to you, you might look and say, like, well, maybe I grew up in Catholic Church, or I've heard this word saints throughout, like, Justin, I don't quite know that I'm a saint, and we're going to look at why we say that this morning, uh, but in Colossians to, to understand where we are at, right? We left off where Paul was talking to them about their identity, about who they are, about how they as believers should remain devoted to the gospel, how the gospel is key, and how the gospel leads them into these great things. Not maybe great uh, according to the world standards in terms of riches or health, but in terms of spiritual blessings and how we have those things and how the, the gospel reaches out to us and brings us to salvation. And this morning we're going to look at 
how, as we're brought into salvation, we're brought into this new identity. And this new identity is a new family. It's a new group. It's a new community. It's who we are. We are not just an individual alone. We are together. We are part of something greater and bigger and holier. And so if you would pick up with me in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to read through uh, verse 12 through 17, and then we're going to kind of jump in and dissect it a little bit. It says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one of you has complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we see this passage, right? He's talking about who they are. He's talking about who they are together, And then he's talking about how that should influence the way that they interact with one another. And so the first thing I wanted to take a look at is how he addresses them. Starting in verse 12, he says, Put on then as God's chosen ones. He's making a further statement about their identity. He says, you may not understand it, but you are God's chosen people. He says, the reason you should get together, the reason you should gather, the reason church should not just be something that's like a Sunday thing or, you know, like an event that happens in the mornings on Sundays is because you have a new identity as a chosen one of God. He says, we gather together to remind us of our identity as those chosen by God. He says, hold on, hold on, wait, look, remember, you have been chosen. As someone who proclaims Jesus Christ as Lord, who says, yes, I have the gospel. The gospel has reached out to me, I've accepted. I believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it covers me in my sin. I have been chosen by God. I didn't choose God, right? I know I was a sinful creature. I have made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. I could not make the best ever choice. He made it for me. He chose me. He reached out to me with the gospel. And God chose to redeem us. We are his chosen ones. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter, he echoes this very idea. He emphasizes the, this identity as chosen ones. And he, he uses it to explain to us what our role should be here on earth. First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9 and going through verse 10, says this. But you are a chosen race. 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Right? You hear this language of chosen. He pulled you. He grabbed you. He took you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You were not a people, but now you are God's chosen people. You had not received mercy, but now you've been given mercy. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his God's own possession. And so when we, we talk about this idea of gathering together as the saints, you have to understand, you, you may not think your spiritual life is all there. You may not think that your spiritual life is maybe that important, but it is. Both Paul and Peter are both saying, you have to understand, the fact that you were chosen is a big deal. It's just not some fun thing that you do every once in a while. It's your very identity. You have moved from just a like, hey, I'm kind of around, to a chosen saint, a chosen priest, a royal priesthood. You are royalty. Through the work of Jesus Christ, through the gospel, you have been taken from death to life. From a beggar to the kingdom. From a beggar to royalty. And so as we jump back to this Colossians passage, Paul, he, he kind of pushes this idea. He says, okay, he says, as God's chosen ones, right? As this royal priesthood, as this holy nation, there is some things that you should be wearing, He says, put on these things. Some of you have forgotten who you are. You are God's chosen people. But the thing is, you are dressing like beggars. You are royalty and you're dressing in rags. And this idea of clothes is kind of talked about throughout Scripture as your external, right? What you're choosing to do, the choices that you're making. And so and on the internal, right, we've been regenerated by God. We've been chosen by God. We've been given forgiveness. We've been given mercy. We've been brought out of darkness into light. And on the external, we should be showing that by the choices we make, by the ways that we treat people, by the ways that we dive into Scripture, by all these different things. And, he, and, and Paul talks about these as, as like clothes, right, as what you're wearing. And he says, so as this chosen people, as these people chosen by God, you need to start putting on some new clothes. And so we see he lays that out, right? Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He says, all right, start buttoning up your kindness Right, put on your your humility pants, right? Whatever it is, he says, put those things on. 
You need to stop dressing like you're still living in darkness and become the royalty that you've been chosen for, right? You are now part of the king's family. You've now been adopted. You have now been chosen. Don't forget what that looks like. And here's what it looks like. Put on these new attributes. Get rid of the old things. Get rid of anger. Get rid of irritability. Take off hate. Frustration. Stubbornness. We could go on and on and on. He goes, take those off. We're going to burn those clothes because they stink. And we're going to put you in some new clothes. Start putting these things on. Put on kindness. Put on holiness. Put on compassion and humility, meekness and patience. And look around. As you are together, as God's chosen ones, right, together, you should start demonstrating these to the other people around you. As you get together and as you're part of a a church, as you're part of a body of Christ, start showing those things to other people. Start demonstrating kindness. Start demonstrating patience. Start showing what it means to live as a royal priesthood to your other family members, to your other saints, to your other uh, brothers and sisters. And he continues this very idea in verse 13 and 15. Follow with me. It says this, bearing with one another. Right? He talks about, look at these attributes, all these attributes, all these things that you should be putting on. Therefore, the purpose right now of bearing with one another. It leads to action. Bearing with one another. And then he shows, if you have complained against one another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And then he says, but more than all these things, here's the thing that you should definitely put on. This is the most important thing. He says, above all things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I love this picture because he's kind of referencing armor, if you don't know, right? If you've heard me, I'm a nerd. I, I, you know, I like medieval stuff. But if you look to armor, right, armor is kind of like put on, and it's put on piece after piece after piece. You may have a chainmail layer and, you know, and your, uh, your clothes underneath, and you have leg pads and shoulder pads, and you have all these things that are going on. But there's one kind of piece that binds it all together, It will kind of just flop around and sway or slide off unless you have a belt. And you put that belt around your waist and it cinches everything in and it locks everything in a place. It's where your sword goes. It's what binds everything together. He goes, all these things separately will never stick together. He says, but there's one piece. There's one essential piece to the clothing that is your belt. That binds it all together. That holds it all in place. That keeps it there. And he says, that is love. And you should love one another. Your forgiveness becomes true forgiveness when love's involved. Your patience becomes true patience 
that's out of care and kindness and is not filled with frustration, you know, tapping your feet or your fingers. It becomes true patience when you have a love for that person. And you can go down these lists of bearing with one another and, and forgiving each other. All these different things, they're bound together in a love. And he says, this binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's what leads to true harmony, to true peace. And he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I love how he extends that. He says, he says you cannot pretend like you have peace in your hearts when you're at enmity with everyone else in your world. When you're constantly frustrated with the person across the aisle from you. When you're grumbling about every decision that the church makes. When you're angry about this thing or that thing. When you're complaining, when you're silently judging. When you won't be patient. He says, Don't pretend like you have peace in your heart because really the peace of Christ that rules in your heart, it should overflow and show that all these things are being demonstrated in love. And if you don't have those things, you don't have the peace of Christ. You're missing pieces of it. He says the very core piece of your peace is the way in which you live with your brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, we gather together. The reason you do this, the reason you are together, the reason you have brothers and sisters, the reason you've been made a chosen people is in order to be unified and strengthened in your identity in Jesus. He says, when you have this peace, when you have this love, when you begin to live those things out, you start to experience your identity fully. You start to look around and see others who are chosen. And that very clothing that you wear that shows everyone else that you have been made this royal priesthood, it's made complete. It's bound together in that love. And to further push this idea, he makes a reference in verse 15. And I want to take an extended look at that. In, in the later part of verse 15, he says, all this is happening because you were called in one body. One body. And what Paul is referencing here, he, he, he uses this term not as like a large sum of things, right? When we say like a body of water, we mean like a large amount of water. He's not talking about a large amount of people, like a body of people. He's actually talking about a physical body. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is referencing kind of this idea that he writes about extensively to the Corinthian church. And as he's writing to the Corinthians church, he starts to go in depth about what it means to live in this body. Or what this body actually means, like what he's talking about. Not a body of water, not a body of people, but a physical body. We were called in one body. And specifically what he's writing about to them is he's writing about the value and their value within the church. There was all this dissension about who was more important in the church. And so Paul wanted to explain to them that they all had value within the church. 
And it says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be starting in verse 18. It says this, but, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Right? There's that language again of he chose. He chose. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So he says, would you really be a body if we all were just feet? There's just a bunch of feet everywhere, a bunch of arms everywhere, a bunch of mouths everywhere. No, it would be a pile of feet or a pile of arms. He says, no, 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 no. It's not just one member, single member. It's a group. It's many parts. Continuing verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those, on the bo- uh, those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, honorable we bestow the greater honor. And our up- unrepresentable parts are tested with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts do you require? But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that all the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And I love how he concludes this in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He says this idea of a body is a physical body. He goes, we all have different roles. Some of those roles may look to the world as more honorable. They're actually probably the less honorable ones. Some pieces of the body may look less important, but they are, they are the parts of the body that we need the most. He says, you are so caught up in trying to see who has value and who doesn't. He says, as part of the body of believers, like the physical body, hands, feet, mouth, heads, arms, whatever it may be, you have extreme value. And as you look around and you see others, you should not be comparing your value to others. You should be valuing them and caring for them. You should be using your gifts, the, the things, the ways that God has made you to give, to serve, to care for, to pray for, to encourage, to love, to show kindness out of your role. Because it is all one body. It is all us together. Our unity is essential to the survival of our body. We are pieces, but we are not the whole. Together, we are the whole. We have to have it all. And so what Paul is saying to them is, you are all incredibly valuable to the work of the church. And this morning, what I'm saying to you is, you are all incredibly valuable to the work of the church. And when 
you treat it like, eh, it's not a big deal whether I'm there. It's not a big, my spiritual life, it doesn't really affect anyone but me. I don't really need to be held accountable. You know, the only one that's really suffering from my lack of a prayer life is me. Paul says, no, 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 no. Your body is suffering. The other people around you are lacking because they're missing a piece. Because they're missing someone who is incredibly valuable. He says, our work as the church is to reach the world. Our work is to grow in the word. But this only happens when we're unified together through gathering as the saints. This only really happens when we're strengthened together as the saints. We only can really reach the world and grow in the word when we're doing so together as one body. And so he says, remember that. Live according to that. Practice that. Have your identity be that. And find it in the ways that you gather with others. We have to be strengthened in our identity as believers together, in unity, forgiving each other, showing love to one another, doing all those things is how we continue to do the Lord's work here on earth. And then what Paul does is in verse 16, he reminds the Colossians of the best way to keep doing this. He says, yeah, you guys got good at doing this for a period of time, but there's a longevity to this. Right? It can't just be seasons, right? The body can't just go in seasons of life and seasons of comatose, right? That's not how a working body functions. We have to be working together continually. And so in verse 16, he continues, he finishes out this section by talking about how that continual process happens. Jump back with me to Colossians 3. He continues and he says, This is what to do. If you want this to keep happening, here's how you do it. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdoms, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, we gather together. The reason we do this is to be nurtured as believers, both in knowledge and in encouragement. He says, get together, study the word, be held accountable by each other, sing, worship, be encouraged, not once a month, not every other week, but regularly. Do this as your life. Regularly gather together. And there's a reason why we, we call, you know, some people say church services, we call them gatherings. The reason we say that is because if you look, this is how we try and model our church gatherings, our Sunday mornings, right? Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. We dive into the word, teaching and admonishing one another singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. 
That's how we model what we do. We sing, we dive into the word, we admonish one another, we dive into this wisdom, and we do it all out of a thankfulness of the gospel. And so he says, make that a regular priority. It's necessary. It's not just like a fun thing. It's not just, you know, like, uh, oh, you know, maybe we'll get there this week. He says, it is necessary. It is vital to the survival of the body. It's as necessary as food and water. He doesn't talk about food and water here. He doesn't push that idea of the body even further. He's, he just all in says, this is how you have to survive. This is the very nutrients by which you have to live. And next week, as we talk about growing in the word, he says, here's how you start that process. You're watered by the way in which you gather. And please don't be mistaken this morning. It's not about numbers. It's not about being the biggest church. I'm not preaching this because I want to get more of you in seats. I'm preaching this because this is what Paul says is the key to our survival as the church. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of places that seem to be waging war against us. Both in the spiritual realm, in our world, in culture. He says the key to the survival is continuing to be together, to be unified. You need encouragement? You know where that happens? Gatherings. You're feeling discontent. Well, you know what produces thankfulness? Gathering together. You're not feeling very chosen this week. Why don't you surround yourself with the chosen of God to help you remember your identity, to help encourage you this morning? And so this morning, the question that I that kept coming into my mind was, you know, if this is a body, if this is a family, if this is people, if we're a people together who are striving after God, how should we fit in? If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I've been really kind of on the fence about this whole church thing. Or, you know, I'm really wrestling with like, I don't really know like what church means for me. I would love to talk to you. I would love to sit down with you and help you figure that out. Because our question that we should be asking ourselves is, if we are believers, if we say, I believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that he is my Lord, you belong in, in the body. You have a place in the body. And so the question is, how do you fit in? Because you do. But how? What does that look like? What does that process look like? Maybe, maybe for you, starting to fit in is regularly being a part of the body. Maybe for you, church has become that, that sort of, you know, like, uh, I get there if I get there. And I'm not knocking that. That's been me at parts of my life. But that was also the period of my life where I found myself in the most need of the body of Christ. And I just didn't recognize it. Or maybe for you, it's, it's starting to, to put on those clothes. And, and more specifically, I'll, I'll, I'll highlight the simplest, but a lot of times the hardest for us, 
putting on kindness. I mean, it's really difficult to show kindness to people, especially when we've been around them for the longest period of time. Who are the people that we're usually the most unkind to? Our family. When it comes to our spiritual life, who are the people that we usually show the least kindness to? Our spiritual family. That's got to change. And you could highlight any of those different attributes that we said putting on this morning. But maybe you need to start putting those things on. Or maybe for you it's starting to serve. Or maybe for you it's maybe serving in a different way. Maybe you're just not in the right place. You're trying to be a foot and you're an arm. That's okay. Let's help you figure out where you fit in. But this morning, the whole reason we look at this because it's really easy for us to forget how necessary it is to gather together. To forget how necessary it is to have a spiritual family or to be one, unified in the body. And Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul says, you can't miss it. Don't forget, remember, this is a piece of your peace. And let love bind it together. Let's pray.